stronger than so innocent life cannot keep up with you and your big eye dream that's Bracha Jaffe from one of her music videos. She's an internationally known Haredi Jewish singer from New York. And right now she's at the center of some controversy because she was set to perform a concert this coming Sunday in London, England. The show was for women and girls only, and it was reportedly sold out. But then some British Haredi rabbis decreed the concert would cause spiritual harm, and they told women not to go. One newspaper said, some ticket holders are following the rabbi's ban, even though they don't agree with it, because they're afraid it could hurt their chances of getting their daughters accepted into the Haredi Beis Yaakov Girls High School. At issue is the tradition of Kol Isha, whereby to preserve modesty, a Haredi Jewish woman isn't supposed to sing where men can hear them. But Bracha Jaffe and a new generation of Haredi Jewish female performers, including some right here in Canada, are finding audiences despite the taboo, and it's thanks to the internet. They're going viral on social media, and it's becoming a trend, especially since the start of the pandemic. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, January the 11th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Professor Jessica Rhoda has been studying this underground world of in-house private concerts staged for women and girls only. She did her PhD in Montreal, and she's an anthropologist and an ethnomusicologist. It used to be limited to school auditoriums, but now Rhoda is seeing and documenting what she calls cyber fruminism. That's a play on the words cyber and feminism. And she's been profiling Haredi women artists pushing the boundaries using the internet and making their voices heard and speaking their minds about issues. Like this clip from Montreal-based comedian Zahavit Rosenblum, who you can hear here, where she performs as her Rebison Geschmack character from her Instagram account. I got a new job. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Mazel tov, mazel tov. Yeah. So, so what do I do? I'm called a mushkiach. It's a new thing, whatever. Not, It's not in a restaurant. What do I do? I go to Tzniya's clothing stores, and, and I stand next to the mirror, so when the, no, I'm not in the actual changing room. Relax. That's disgusting. Get out. No, I'm outside the changing room. Okay. And I'm right there. You know, when you, you come out and you want to see the big mirror, that's where I am. I stand next to there and I help the, the, the you know, the ladies or the, the, the young girls choose something. Right. You know, sometimes the mothers, you know, they're very mean. They go with the daughters and they yell at them and they, 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 they comment on them. And they're disgusting. Their mom is disgusting. And we need to change that. We need to change that in the from world. Professor Rhoda's new book is coming out. It's called For Women and Girls Only, The Arts, Technology, and the Reshaping of Orthodoxy in the Digital Age. And Professor Rhoda joins me now. We should unpack a little bit the backstory to how you got involved in this study. Your, your, your field is in ethnomusicology, anthropology. And so how did you decide this is what you wanted to study, the, the secret world of Hasidic women performers who are now using technology? I worked for about eight years on Sephardic music in France and then in Montreal a little bit with the Moroccan, more, I would say, Mizrahi on um, the composer Samuel Maghrebi. And I was always really interested by the Hasidic world, which is definitely not my um, my background. I'm, I have a Sephardic background. Um, but, you know, I live in Montreal for uh, 10 years and I was really not far from Outremont and I was always 
reflecting on this community who did the opposite of my family, who really kept their tradition, even if you have people coming in and coming out of the Hasidic world, and also speaking Yiddish. I wanted to access this world, I would say, and it all started in 2015. So I would say that at first, um, this is this access to this world in general, and through the lens of music, indeed, I'm a, I'm a former pianist, I was also a dancer, I gave piano lessons. I did also some French lessons um, to to girls in the in the community in Montreal. And progressively, um, I by developing those ties with some women within the community, and also with um, I would say some people who were who left the community, and some people who were in between. So I had access to all this. This multiple, uh, I would say, pockets that exist within the Haredi world, um, and the women that I've, um, who are my friend, now, my friends in in Montreal, started to talk to me about those performances in schools, and indeed, I was extremely interested. What are those kind of performances? Um, and also started to talk about some celebrities that they have, some comedians, some singers, and that there is an entire, uh, and I call an ecology of the art for women um, that are not advertised and publicized. And social media also um, gave me a special access um, especially to the, cele- the the one that I call the celebrities, the, the, the new celebrities of, of women in the art and in music, in film, um, and also in, you know, different types of, of uh, artistic practices. The big sort of issue that you need to maybe explain a little bit is the Kol Isha law or the rule about the voice of women and why it's so controversial for women to be performing out in public. Yes, exactly. So... Uh, part of, you know, love, modesty, sinute in, in the Haredi world. And um, indeed, there is this separation that you have. And uh, because the voice of women is, is considered, uh, could be central, um, could be a place for attraction, there is this, this idea that you shouldn't hear the voice of a woman. So you have an entire uh, diversity of interpretation and also of practices that I even myself experienced. And here is the fine line about how certain women are able to organize other activities um, and to frame it as private and to organize certain events, certain also concerts that they will consider private or they will try to interpret it um, as, as private to not have any issues with rabbinical authorities. So they would say, like I've read some of these um, posts, for women only, or it's a live stream for women only audiences. Exactly, exactly. And for everything that is online, and that's why it's a completely new world, I call it the modest public space. Um, and in what is happening online is uh, some women who decided to um, acknowledge that uh, they wanted to make it available for other girls, for other women, but this is the responsibility of men. Can you explain what that means? Because if you said it's for women only and only girls go, how is that controlled by men? No, it's not at all controlled by men. It's the responsibility because this is something that is online. So anybody can click on the link and can listen to the link. I'm not talking about the event where you need to buy a ticket. I'm not talking about the on-site event. But even a streaming, you know, you can buy a ticket 
and you know anybody you know can 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 watch or can listen so those women are putting the responsibility on men and i want to say those women they also some rabbinical authority who agree on this on these norms that's why you know for instance um uh shandy plotzker is one of these artists who had a conversation with her rabbi so it depends on the rabbinic authority they don't um you know there's a lot of discussion and a lot of different perspective on it and that's what is interesting to see also uh, how uh, boundaries are you know moving constantly uh, between what is allowed what is not allowed and 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 more specifically that um through this lens and especially through social media the one who are on social media they are in a way um suggesting to rethink uh, religious authority because some of them are doing something without necessarily having an acknowledgement of the religious authority uh and actually that's 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 even better you don't ask a rabbi because if you ask he may tell you no and then it's over so you assume and you pr- make sure that everything is kosher enough um and and then you will see the the results have any rabbis uh, rabbinical movements actually banned this at all anywhere i mean in june you had a sifa for women uh, so it was in upstate New York. It was the large gathering that you have in 2012. Uh, it was the, the reproduction, I would say, of the 2012 Asifa against the Internet. And this time it was to target women who are more specifically on social media to shut down their their social media presence. Um, and you have some women who did. Uh, none of the women I'm working with did. And some of them engaged with the subject um, and many other didn't. They just continue their practices. And also this is their business. So there is a Parnassi um, dimension. Let's let's talk to- about that for a second. I think it's important to explain that they kind of get a, around the whole Koli Shah thing when it's to make money for business. Yes. So indeed, this is an entire also economy, you know, um, part of those um, performance, live performance. Usually it's a Tzedakah event. Uh, so this is, a you know, an organization who wants to raise money. And, you know, in, in now... Uh, you know, in the, I would say, the bourgeois, Hasidic, Haredi world, or the entertainment is extremely important. And I would say that in the past, women were, you know, even if sometimes they had private, you know, gathering for women, but it's not, it was not the big event for Tzedakah. Even it was always, you know, male, you know, entertainers. And some women progressively um, uh, started to say, hey, we need also good quality uh, female entertainment. And, and, and indeed, so... Now you have an organization when they want to raise money for women cause or uh, they know that you have certain things. It's, it, they need to target women. So they thought, OK, let's hire a woman, an entertainer. Um, and in those space, they collect money. They also you know, pay the artists. The artists are paid. Um, and, in, and it's through a lot of live performances. But also, you know, some of those uh, concerts are also a place. It's not a lot of Parnasse, but in certain cases, it's, it's, it's an important part of their, um, of their income. Uh, you've written that they, they use social media as a platform and also as a, like a conversation area, a space where they can discuss religious issues and also the sort of challenging role that's placed upon them as they live as modest women in their community. That seems almost an amazing development where before you couldn't really talk about this anywhere because it's just not done. 
in my book, I talk about the counterpublic transformative space. So, and even I talk about cyber feminism. I make a, you know, uh, I play with the word from and cyber feminism. Um, so some of the women who are artists were involved in, for instance, the, the, the cause of Akunat. Uh, so there was a social media campaign and all the women artists that I know were engaged in supporting, you know, the hashtag Free Chava, for instance. And some of them also engaged in the debate. Um, you also have discussion about modesty, you know, and, and they don't necessarily do it in a subversive way, but by doing what they are doing or discussing certain topics that they are discussing. So, for instance, Rizzi Cooking is this entrepreneur. She she has this, she's a Hasidic woman, um, and she she has this, uh, this fascinating uh, account on Instagram. She has an app. It's an entire business. Uh, and now she has a different episode where she interviewed different women about about difficult topics. So she interviewed Malki Wengarten to talk about, you know, puberty um, for, for girls. Different types of, of topic that are not necessarily, you know, discussed or addressed. There is also Francisca, Francisca Kosman, who is uh, from Litvish community, um, originally from, from Russia. She's now based in Philadelphia. She has this podcast initially was just about from female artists. And she, you know, now the topic is bigger than that. She's also a singer. So she's bringing... Uh, a lot of subject. Um, and you also have, you know, discussion about equal paid when they perform or the fact that they are uh, the backlash that some of them re- received or how in certain cases when they perform in, in, in when they ask to go to summer camp, they ask to change their look. Uh, so sometimes they will do it. Sometimes they are not that happy. Uh, so, yes, they're discussing um, different different issues um, that you know, where they can create a community uh, be, and also with some women who are not necessarily uh, exposing their face, they can still have, you know, a fake uh, profile and they can have access to this information, right? I was going to say that it it is so, um, also could be potentially misinterpreted as, oh, well, the only way they could do this professionally and really fulfill their their soul as if they left versus that's not always what they want right oh no not at all not at all not at all um you know the the majority of the of of the women that i've met they were they were happy where they are they they of course like everybody else you know in all our you know our system, you know, thinking about gender inequality. I work at university, you know. It's fascinating. So when It's just fascinating. When is your book supposed to be published? <laughs> I just sent the final um, draft last Friday, so uh, December 16th. So hopefully it's going to take a year by the end of 23 or early 24. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Lorne Krongold. He's president of Feature Foods. They make herring. And if you heard yesterday's episode about the herring review, they talked about his company, one of the biggest in North America, making Jewish-style herring. He's also a listener to the podcast. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily. Don't forget to head to our CJN website where you can support our work by donating and you can get a charitable tax receipt for your contribution. The link is in our show notes. And we'll end the episode today with this clip from Bulletproof Stockings. They were an all-woman Haredi rock band founded by a Canadian drummer, Dahlia Schusterman, 
She was originally from Montreal, and this song is called Easy Pray. It's about conversations with God and with the Yetzirahara, or evil spirit. Rock bottom is when I see Take a uh... 